What up, world? Thanks for listening to the Sac City Podcast. While you're here, do us all a favor and hit that follow button. And then join us every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern for more top-tier NFL content. Welcome to the city. Sack City, welcome into another episode of the Sack City Podcast. I'm your host, the one and only Vinny Milani, joined as always by your boy, AJ Johnson. Below, we have my best friend in the whole entire world, live from some random football stadium in That's Franklin High. Wherever he may be, he is Aaron the Mukes. I am Mukes. And beside him, he is the smoothest voice in sports casting, the reigning the defending and the undisputed heavyweight valedictorian of the show. He is Dylan Kearns. It is a beautiful July 27th morning here in the city. Aaron, please. Where are you? Where are you coming from? And uh, I'm in Georgia over there. Oh, okay. I'm in Georgia, baby. Down South here in Georgia. You know what I do? I rep in Georgia, ATL, you know, Albany, you know how we do. Why? What's the zip? What's the area code? Uh, three, three, one, seven, two, one. Like, hey, shout out know. to the 317. Hey, but real talk, I mean, it's football down oh, south. It doesn't matter what stadium I'm in. We, we, we hit down here. We got hard hitters. We got we breed talent. It's what we do down here in the south. That's right. I'm a regular old Georgian so, now. Shout the out to breed- Interesting. The Can south I tell you a story? Something. I, got a, I, got a, I, I got a call last night. It was almost midnight from some dude on my work phone talking about fishing and catching largemouth mouth bass. <laughs> do you guys know anything about that? He, he called, he said, he said, hey, I know what uh, I like watching the show every day, uh, the fishing game uh, forecast, and uh, I'm trying to catch me a largemouth bass because, you know, yeah, we got to feed the kids and the kids are good or whatever. Like, I didn't understand a word that was being said. And then found out today that um, some some lonely people in South Carolina that had nothing better to do called my work. Yeah. I remember when Bob Boucher showed up that time with bird ball. Yeah, that's what it sounded like. Yeah. That's, that's probably what he sounded like. He probably sounded like the dude, the dude from the uh, yeah, that uh, yeah. That's great. That's great. Well, we've got a great show ahead of us, ladies and gentlemen. Episode 58 is about to kick off. We are diving into the AFC West and the training camp preview for the Chiefs, the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Broncos. But before we do that, let's head into our morning headlines. AJ. You added this to the doc, and I want to let you take this one over. It's Kyler Murray, and the news today that really, or yesterday, that took over the headlines was that this really, really weird part of his big contract that he just got from the Arizona Cardinals. Can you elaborate on what that is and what your thoughts are on it? Yeah, so Kyler Murray, as we know, just got a $230 million deal, $160 million guaranteed. And I remember last week saying I was curious on why they didn't give it to him fully guaranteed and this small addendum may have something to do with that they have mandated that kyler murray has to do four hours of independent film study per game week of every week of the nfl they gave this man the jamarcus russell rule and i never saw it coming this kind of goes back to what they were talking about when all the conversations about kyler murray first came out and he wants his money and they were hesitant to give it to him and then all these character issues came up they were worried about his commitment uh they go all the way back to the draft did he want to play football did he want to play baseball is he a big gamer now to have something like this in your contract where you have to mandate that you have to spend four hours think about that that's not even an hour a day just being in the NFL, you should think that you're spending more than four hours a week studying for the game you're about to prepare. This is not a good look. One, it's not a good look that it happened privately. Two, it's not a good look that somebody made it that public. So now that everybody in the world, your organization, your fan base, your teammates in that locker room, all look at this and see this as a big deal that you may not be that committed to the game, that they had to put this in your contract and one other big thing and i'm not the first to bring this up i'm not going to take full credit but it's a very big piece something like this could have a very big effect 
on the black quarterback. And I'm not just saying that as a black man, but if you think about it, they have always talked about the black quarterback may not be smart enough to play the position. He's just seen as an athlete. They don't study or know the position well enough. So now you have this little knock on the quarterback like that. You can use stuff like this for every quarterback coming up afterwards, whether or not you know it yet, but just as a precursor. And I think that's a big step back. So every time we look at Kyler Murray this year, and if he's not up to par, this, this little addendum is going to play a role in media pundits and people's thought process on what may have happened with Kyler Murray. And I think that might be a big deal going forward. <sighs> Great points, Aiden. Great points. Uh, I don't want to be the one to disagree. Uh, I'll, just, I'll just say this. I personally don't. Uh, I think this is being blown out of proportion. I think this is something that we've seen this before. This is not the first time a player's had a weird, funky addendum in their contract to keep them from doing certain things or making them do certain things. I've seen stuff from you can't bungee jump for guys that are daredevils so they don't get injured to you need to go here, you need to do this. This, to me, is just uh, something they put in the contract and maybe they feel like he has outside um, influences and things other than football that he is going to kind of compete with his football studying. And listen, he's not the first quarterback that's been accused of maybe not putting enough time of his own time into the game. Uh, and, and this is where I think that we need to make this very clear. We have got to be careful about what we stigmatize somebody with outside of what they are supposed to do for their job. If I told you, AJ, your job is from eight to five and you're working eight to five, but you know what? You really want to be great at your job. Maybe you need to do two hours outside of your job, but you choose not to, and you're eight to five, and you're great during that eight to five. I can't knock you for being great during eight to five. The ones that, that separates the, the greatest of all time is the guys that's going to put in the two hours extra work, the Kobe Bryant who's in the gym two hours before the guys are supposed to. I'm not going to knock a guy because he doesn't want to make his job his life. And so I, I am very careful about what this contract is saying. Putting four hours of independent study, they already do film study. Four hours now a week is not that much. You're right. That's four hours away from his family, four hours away from things he wants to do off the field. And by no means am I saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that we can't look at football any different than we look at any other job. And for everybody that wants to criticize him as a fan, I will look to you and say, well, you know what? If you want to be great at your job and get paid more, you're the one that's crying about your wage. I want to see you put in four hours extra a week doing the things that you're supposed yeah, to be doing. And that, that's, that's my biggest issue. That's it. I think, I think that's kind of how in the working world, and maybe this is like us as like the working class of, of, of people. Like if I were to go up to my job and say, Hey, I want to raise, I want to bump up and pay. My boss is damn sure going to tell me what I need to do and add something onto my role to make me, earn that raise and deserve that extra pay. And that's what, that's what I'm seeing here. Now, the other side of this that I saw today that people were chattering about was the, the disrespect, the possible disrespect to Kyler Murray of you're saying he has to spend more time in the film room. Whereas like, if you were to go up to someone like, and this is a little bit of an aggressive thing, but like a Tom Brady, if, if Bill Belichick ever came up to Tom Brady and said, Hey, we're going to pay you a little bit more, but you have to spend four hours in the film room, even like a Kirk cousins, then there would be like the, the, the big time disrespect factor of, Hey, I feel like you're shitting on me because I'm already doing all this stuff. What do you mean? I got to spend four more hours. But that's the difference. Those are the guys you never have to say that to. They are feeling like Kyler Murray. And like, and I get what you're saying, like work is work, whatever. But again, this is salary. This isn't hourly. Like, yeah, you may walk out that that building, but like as an NFL player, as a professional football, as a quarterback, as QB1, as a first overall, this isn't stuff we should be hoping you're doing. We should be asking why you're not coming in well and showing us more film work. Like they're saying they don't even feel like he's looking at the tapes well, outside they, of that. They don't look like Jamarcus Russell. No, in this I, I don't, I don't think, see, I think that's what's being inferred and implied. I don't think that's what's actually happening. There's been a they, lot they of not, questions about his not, commitment to it though. They did not, uh, commitment to being just a football player is not the same thing as saying, we don't feel like you're doing your due diligence in the film. I, 
I think that's two completely different conversations. We assume because they put this addendum in the contract that he was lacking something there. And I don't know that to be the case. Sometimes there are funky things that teams put in contracts that we never even hear about. And I find it very odd that we're hearing about this. But am I complaining yeah. for Kyler Murray? No. The man got 200 <laughs> and some million dollars. Well, he, is, he signed it. Remember this. He signed Maybe. the contract. So he was okay with what that addendum yeah. that they put in there because he signed it. I just don't well, want to go though? crazy over <laughs> Like they say, it's in default if he doesn't if he doesn't do it. But let's say he does. Like, what are they gonna do? Like, if, really, if he refused like, no that longer... addendum, guess what? They well, would have gave him contract it, yeah. without it. But I, but I mean, like, and I mean, like in week nine, if he's like, oh, I didn't do it, are they gonna say, well, we're not paying you? And then he doesn't yeah. play, they're not gonna do that. I no, mean, there's an out there for here. them. That's all. That's my yeah. question here. Is it just the honor system? Why is it there? Like, how can they track if he's done four hours? Are they going to throw something on a computer and time him or something? It's on or, a team device. You know, it, it's yeah, on a it's team on, device. Yep. Okay. So, like, they, they can tell. Come if on, he's now. Doing we all know. You can go in there and just hit play and be doing play what, PlayStation over here. Yeah. The, the fact of the matter is, is I, that's why I think this is irrelevant. This coming out, whoever decided to put this out, mm-hmm. it's more, it goes to show you what was going on in that organization all offseason. People putting things out that they really didn't have any business putting out there. To me, it's just it's just another talking. And I I I didn't want AJ to go here, man. It's so frustrating. I didn't want this to be a conversation about the black quarterback because I don't really think it is. I think this is just a matter of a team that has always been very frugal. Let's let's make that very yeah. clear. They don't like paying guys. They're always reluctant to do it. I think this just says, you know what? Put an out in here somewhere. Some kind of out. Yeah. Man loves baseball, loves doing other things. Let's yeah. make sure there's something in here that we can kind of hold him accountable with. And I yeah. think that's really it. I don't think it's that many. And, and I just want to say, and I know you weren't saying directly that I was saying that. I don't think the Cardinals put that in there because he's a black quarterback. But I do believe that there are other big wigs in the NFL who could look at something like this and use it in the future against a black quarterback. I just think, I think it allows a precedent to possibly be set. I'm not saying that's why Arizona did it, but I do think like, I mean, it, it will allow that conversation to be had once again, when we finally felt we were getting closer and closer well, to being past I, that. The reason I don't like that statement is because you look at the top quarterbacks in the league, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Dak Prescott. Yeah. Those are all black quarterbacks that are making the most and money across the NFL. Different. So, and they're not the same quarterbacks though. They're, they're not, like just some mobile guys that run. Lamar Jackson's about to get yeah. paid. That we, well, that, we as as black men, I think we've kind of moved on from the black quarterback stigma. That we know there's still black coach stigmas and all this general managers, all that stuff. But we can't deny these players now. There's no keeping the black quarterback off the field because they do everything of what today's NFL requires. So it's hard to have that conversation of you're not smart enough, you're not this enough because the guys now don't fall into those categories of a Jamarcus Russell or, you know, the previous guys that killed Smith and all those. One more thing to, one more thing to leave you thinking here on this uh, Arizona Cardinals topic. Um, they, they could also be thinking like, this is a team that fell apart and pissed down their legs the last two seasons. They want to make sure that, Hey, he's actually in this, in the room, making sure that any, yeah. any sort of extra work is done because they can't collapse again. Otherwise more shit's going down. You guys, you guys brought up Lamar Jackson. I guarantee you that when Lamar Jackson goes to go talk more about his contract, he's like, just no. add this bad boy into the list of why I should be getting paid more than Kyler Murray. That's what's gonna what it's gonna come down to. Year. One, uh, two more little notes on headlines here. We're gonna make these two quick. Julio Jones, Julio Jones is returning to the NFC South to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers team up with Tom Brady real quick, gentlemen, I'm going to go around the horn. Give me your stat predictions for Julio Jones. We had a little, little uh, chat today in our, in our, in our group text talking about this. And I wanted to go on record right now. What you guys think Julio Jones's stat is going to be this season. Dylan, I'll start with you. I think he has 48 catches. 48, okay, 48 catches, 497 yards, and one touchdown. I gave you guys mine earlier, 45, 450, and three touchdowns. 
AJ? Irrelevant. I'll go a little different from what I said earlier as I was just trying to annoy Aaron a little bit, but uh, I'm gonna, I am gonna go a little higher. Uh, I'm gonna go 55 receptions. I'm gonna go 650 yards and I'm gonna go four touchdowns. I will go 57 receptions for 669 yards and five nice. touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah, I said it. I said it. I mean, a couple, a couple of things aren't in his favor. Chris Godwin getting clear for training camp doesn't help. Doesn't. Nope. Nope. <laughs> so, but real quick, though, and re- please make this very quick. And Aaron, I'm going to go to you. Russell Gage, fantasy, real quick. Does this do anything to damper his hype train? <laughs> no, nothing at all. Hope it does because for people who don't pay attention. The great, the great thing is, is say Julio is ready for the beginning of the year. He'll, he'll play outside maybe to start. Um, but he can't do what Russell Gage does. And I'm telling you right now, Russell Gage fits Tom Brady better than Julio Jones. If You can argue with me to the death, but look at Tom Brady's history and the guys he likes to throw to. Russell Gage's skill set fits that. Chris Godwin's skill set fits that. And Mike Evans is just Mike Evans. And Julio, I'm sorry, you're not Mike Evans anymore. You're not of that caliber on the outside. Um, he's going to have to win one-on-one matchups. And I don't know that Julio can do that consistently anymore because of the him slowing down. that's all funny thing is that russell gage was buried behind julio two years ago yeah <laughs> it hey all comes back around come. russell Your gage is gonna walk come. past him right in the line to tom you say, brady's heart you and say, say bye bitch you say buried i'll say two years ago he had almost 800 yards and I wouldn't call that buried. I think that was more than Julio had. Yeah, yeah, he did a year. But I mean, it was <laughs> even Ridley, and I mean, there was no one was watching Falcons games. But, but, that, but that's what I'm saying. It's like he's been with Julio, Julio on, at this Duke. point in Julio and Purdue. Correct. One more bit of headline here: Chris Carson of the Seattle Seahawks, the running back, former seventh round pick in the 2017 draft, has officially retired. Uh, he obviously battling that neck injury. It's just something that he was not able to come back from. Aaron, you called it last year, fantasy season when I traded him to me <laughs> to Dylan. To me, oh no, or, yeah, I, or I think it was to me. I think I ended up with Chris Carson. And then Maybe I ended up giving him to Dylan Robinson, you clown. Yeah, yeah. I, I said that I didn't think Chris Carson would ever play football again, and it's sad, man. I, like, yeah, he wasn't the best running back, but the years that he played, and you watched his style of running, like that's the guy you just rooted for. The way he ran real hard. Um, it's sad that he, you know, suffered the the neck injury and couldn't overcome that. Um, but I think you saw this. I think the writing was on the wall. I think you saw this last year. I think you saw it when they drafted Kenneth Walker and re-signed over Rashad Penny. I don't think they do that if they felt confident in Chris Carson being able to. Yeah, definitely. And we wish nothing but the best for Chris Carson in the future. He, he didn't officially announce and he won't officially announce a retirement in hopes to be able to have a miracle happen with his neck. And who knows anything could happen. We wish him nothing but the best. AJ need a social read, pay the bills before we get into our AFC West training camp preview break it down sire ladies gentlemen oh there we go it happened again i will take over the social read please check us out at sex city pod on facebook how does this Twitter, happen instagram youtube and the tiktok if you haven't checked us out lately <laughs> make sure you get back on the tiktok and the youtube we got some short ones out there it's happening <laughs> be sure to check us out on all those social media platforms audio podcast available on all your audio platforms as well <laughs> and good morning sack city that's right wednesday <laughs> through friday sack city's in your house 10 a.m eastern time good morning sack city hashtag dmsc is it just like when you play music my my audio just decides to just change or something like hey listen nothing I, I'm, as, as a and- professional i am used to things being messed up in studio that's why i just jumped in there and had to fix jesus aj we'll get we'll give you another shot the kansas city chiefs training camp has been underway lots have been going on one player who has not shown up is orlando brown what is the state of the kansas city chiefs offensive line in this year's uh training camp 
You know, um, we talked a little bit about this a couple weeks ago. And at that point in time, we didn't think it was too big a deal. We thought, you know, it's an older, older guy by standards of the NFL, just taking his rest and we'll be ready to go. But as I looked more into it, it's starting to sound a lot more like there's some serious frustration. Um, yeah, like with having having Orlando Brown come over, you traded for him for draft picks, but then you don't want to pay him top dollar because you don't feel like he may be one of the best players at his position. And now he's frustrated. He's not coming to camp. Now, with that being said, I do think he will get it done because it's either that or you miss out on, a, I think, a million dollars a week and you can only play 16 million on the franchise tag. So it doesn't make a lot of sense there for me. But let's say he decides to go that route. There are people that the Chiefs feel good about. Joe Thune has stepped in. He played some uh, some left and right tackle. Uh, they they have a guy. If it's me, if I'm the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm hoping that the rookie that we were excited about can come along. Uh, and that's Darian Kennard, who played left tackle, who played right tackle, who played a little guard at Kentucky, a guy we were really excited about uh, coming into the draft. Surprised he was picked in the fifth round. But this is a guy, if you ask me, I think he understands his role. And I think he's going to do everything he can to best understand what he needs to do going forward with this with this camp. So my biggest thing is just understanding what tackles do, what guards do, and uh, just trying to do my best to make sure I'm mentally prepared for when we get out there, we're going full speed, everybody. I want to be able to show what I have. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's a learning process. You know, everybody's going to get got one time. You know, we're all out here, best of the best. But um, it's just about learning experience and uh, getting better every day. It's going to be, it's going to be about, it's going to be, a learning process for Darian Kennard. I was very high on him coming out of the draft. Aaron, you are the the draft expert. Do you think his role, he's going to be able to just jump right in and be able to kind of fit right in in this Chiefs offensive line? Um, I, I don't know if you're talking about fitting right in. Offensive line is all, often about chemistry, right? Building five guys together, being on the same page. I think that's what you're trying to build in camp. Um, some things that he has going for him, I believe uh, Lucas Niang, who had some time in there last year, is starting the, the training camp on the PUP list, which allows Darian Kennard to get a little bit more reps. Uh, but to AJ's point, they do have some guys that they can throw in there. Uh, they can move around in Austin Reader. I know he's a, been a backup center. He's a backup center now, but he can play some multiple positions. You can move Joe Tooney outside, maybe put him at guard. Darian Kennard is just going to be. Oh, Darian Kennard is just going to be a guy who has to come to in at Memphis. This is blocking guys. Hey, buddy. What happened? Nothing. Just, you know, was trying to be professional and hop right in there when things are wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I can't hear. So what happened? Oh, yeah. You you just cut it off. Yeah, we just went ahead and jumped in um, if his earpiece went out. So, um, I I mean, I'm assuming that he understands that Darren Kennard is going to have to play his role slowly and come along as the weeks go through. He's right about Niang being injured. He's right about Ryder being moved on. Luckily, they had a Creed Humphrey who's played pretty well for him. But my biggest thing is Orlando Brown was a big part of this entire remake over from that abysmal Super Bowl that they had. They wanted this line to be intact going forward after giving Pat Mahomes 10 years, $450 million. So if they can't get it figured out with Orlando Brown at some point in time, yeah, you may have something this year. You may be able to patchwork it but you still now have to go back to the drawing board and find a long-term plan if you can't get it done with Orlando Brown. I think this is the move they were saving. the money. I I think this is honestly why they didn't sign Tyree Hill. Uh, They're going to get it done. Um, It's just a matter of time. And to your point, nobody wants to go to camp. Man, listen, these players in the NFL, especially guys that have been in the league three years now, they do not want to be at training camp on July 27th having to get beat up and take hits and do all that stuff. The NFL has changed. These guys want to be fresh. They want to be ready to go come the season. They don't want to go in there and work in this heat. So a lot of them take advantage of the situation that they're in. He has a contract dispute, didn't sign his franchise tender. I think he has a little bit of time to kind of work things out. Um, I'm not too concerned about Orlando Brown. I do think he's going to be there because when that money starts being, you know, deducted from your account, uh, because, or, you know, fines start rolling in. I, I, it changes people's mindset. So I'm not too worried, but I worry about the, the unit as a whole, just having that connectivity, being in sync to start the year, right? Slow start maybe for Kansas City if he doesn't get in there right away. But overall, the course of a season, I think. 
Another unit on the Chiefs' offensive side of the ball that saw quite a bit of change is the wide receiver position, obviously losing a big piece in Tyree Kill. Aaron, what does training camp look like at the wide receiver position? I thought you were going to say losing a big piece in Justin Ross. Um, oh, hey, man. Why so, you guys, so, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. He was going to be a boss. Just now that we're going to get into this here, now that you want, yeah. you wanted to do this, you brought yeah. this on yourself. We <laughs> just did. need to pour one out for Justin Ross. Okay. This man was going to be a beast wide receiver one. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you for <laughs> showing. Thank you for showing some goddamn respect to Justin Ross. You forgot to actually put the, the like thir- three behind the one. He was going to be wide receiver third. I believe they have 12 on their roster right now, uh, which is sad. Uh, but anyways, let's let's talk about the Kansas City wide receiver. We've had this conversation all offseason. Is it MVS? Is it Juju? Is it Nicole Hardman? Is it Guy Moore? Uh, this might be the first time I actually say this. WRBC, wide receiver by committee. It is going to be all of them. There are certain things that you're going to look for from each of these players to fill a role. It's going to be MVS to be making those off-the-top throws, over-the-top for Patrick Mahomes. It's going to be a Miko Hardman filling in for a Tyreek Hill, running into rounds and bubble screens and getting him into space. Juju's going to be this possession guy. Josh Gordon, if he makes the roster, is going to be you know a guy that comes in every once in a while to make a play. And Sky Moore is this rookie that's kind of the unknown. The biggest thing here is I, I think the question is roster spots. Can Josh Gordon make this roster? A guy who's never played special teams before in his career. I think five total special teams plays in, in his career. A Sky Moore, who they love to have promise, but is he capable of getting a spot as a special teams guy that can help create big plays on the offense? We know that he's going to be on the roster, but is he going to contribute? Then you have just a bunch of names, Dustin Watson, Dar- uh, Darius Fountain. It's really about, are they going to keep five or six wide receivers? I think with the, the injury to Justin Ross, it makes it a little bit easier for me. I think they hold on to all five. I think they keep MBS. I think they keep Juju, obviously, um, Miko Harmon, Sky Moore, and I do think they keep Josh Gordon. It is literally going to be a crapshoot every week on who's getting these targets outside of maybe a Juju submission. I think he's the one solid foundation piece that you can say he's going to see targets. Everybody else, it could be anybody. It literally could be anybody. And I think this is the first time we've seen this in this Chiefs offense since the days of maybe the end of Dwayne Bow, when like when Dwayne Bow left and there was nobody, nobody kind of left there. Um, I think this is the first time we've seen it like this. I, I want to bring up a, a point on one name that you mentioned, uh, just an off the ball name, Darice Fountain. Like that dude was legit at Northern yeah. Iowa. That's I a- like him a lot. Yeah, Darice, good track. Um, you know, <laughs> Darice Fountain, uh, he, he came in. Card in card back. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got it back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, freaking Darice Fountain, though, real talk. Uh, broke in with the Colts a few years ago, battled a lot of injuries. Um, he, he came in and was a little bit banged up. He had a great preseason. He's flashed in that area. Not saying the guy's going to be a freaking amazing wide receiver. All I'm saying is the guy has played a little bit and made a couple plays during these months. And like you said, special teams wise, that could kick a Josh Gordon off a roster. That was tricky though. I got you now. The only reason Dylan knows his name is because he was a Colt. And he's yeah. a Colts fan. Remember, we talked about it. I know you are a Colts fan. If, if, if Darius Fountain had been on the Chicago Bears, you would not know. You would not know how to pronounce his name. Nope. Correct. But I would have known whoa, him whoa, if he was a Jag. He does. He does. He does do the big city sports podcast. So that that might <laughs> you picked the wrong team. He, not Chicago. You still do that thing? I, I don't know. Shout out big city sports. You know, uh, <laughs> but, on a, but, a month layaway. <laughs> <laughs> Chicago sports, just hiatus right now. New York sports, hiatus. Uh, Real quick to end this wide receiver talk and to end the Chiefs talk here, Eric, take me behind the scenes with like how training camps go at the wide receiver position. We talked last week about the AFC North and splitting up the work, like like the reps for Jacoby Brissett and Deshaun Watson, how that looks. How does it look for a wide receiver group with a lot of fresh new faces and distributing reps and catches and things like that? How does that all work in training camp? About trust. Uh, what I'd be interested in to look, if I was a Chiefs fan, I'm looking at who was working out with Patrick Mahomes in the offseason. Was it a B. Cole Hardman? Did MVS and Juju try to come in and say, hey, come out and throw some routes with me to get that timing right? To me, it's strictly about who does Mahomes trust 
Who does Andy Reid trust to be where they're supposed to be? Wide receiver and quarterback connection is all about trust. It starts there. It, it, it ends with, hey, can you run a route? Hey, can you, you know, block this? Can you do that? If your quarterback trusts you to be where you're supposed to be, that's a good starting point. I look to early in preseason, early in the season, I look to see where Andy Reid is lining these guys up and who Patrick Mahomes trusts. There's practices. We don't like to take a lot out of practice. But if you see practices where an MBS is catching three touchdowns that game or that practice, pay attention to that because it's going to show a development of trust between Mahomes and them versus a backup quarterback in that player. So I look for the trust factor to determine who's going to get the reps. I do think Juju will see the first reps no matter what, based on tenure, based on previous uh, ability and kind of production, and then Miko Hartman because he knows the offense and has been there. But that third spot, Sky Moore, MVS, Josh Gordon, I think it's going to come down to trust factor. Don't sleep on hey. Miko, man. Led, led his career high in receptions and yards last year. Miko Hartman is going to be a problem because yeah. I know people want to forget him. He's been there. And they do like him. It's not like they don't like him. They they trusted him. They kept giving him the ball even when he messed up. Yep. yep. Even in the playoffs. And and we do we do know who AJ is pulling for. WNBA star Sky Moore. And I'll <laughs> say the same thing. Sky Moore is going to be a problem. Like just just wait and watch, man. I'm not worried about it. Like I'm not worried about that take at all. You know, Sky Moore can't even dunk. Hey, AJ, AJ got the Bob Marley shirt on right now. He's rooting for Josh Gordon, okay? So he's got that low-key Josh Gordon rooting for him. Hey, I was going to bang the drum for Josh Gordon earlier, too. But, you know, it's cool. Hey, they're they going gangbusters on this offense. Everybody gets the ball. And you, you get a ball. Get a you pass. get a ball. You Wide get a receiver <laughs> by committee. Every That's, game is going to be Kelsey's going to get his. For yeah. fantasy Absolutely. owners, it'll be frustrating. For football fans, they'll get a, a taste of a bunch of shit. All right. Let's move on to Las Vegas Raiders. And there is a new face calling the plays on the defensive side of the ball. Patrick Graham comes over from the New York Giants, uh, former defensive coordinator for the Giants, now right behind Josh McDaniels as his defensive coordinator in Las Vegas. And guys, I was, I saw this pop up in the dock and I'm like, man, let me find some research. Let me dig deep on, on Patrick Graham. And then I saw this. Have you gotten accomplished? Has your defense gotten accomplished what you wanted to the first three practices? Hell no. Oh, am I allowed to say that? <laughs> you just did. <laughs> we'll I mean, I'm a coach now. I mean, come on. Now. <laughs> we got we got a lot of stuff to improve on. <laughs> no. <laughs> They're working hard, but no. We have <laughs> the standards, the standard. The standards, the standard. And you know, like coach said, we're trying to build championship habits and it's a process. So it's an imperfect game, but we're striving to be perfect. And so if you ask me as a coach, no. So, but we're, they're working at it. They're working at it. Sorry for the language. Don't tell my mom. <laughs> this dude seems great. How do you not root for this guy? Love like that all, dude. And, and all of his, and like this entire, he had a 12 minute presser where like every other question came with some type of laugh and some type of just clowning. Around. It's great. This guy, I am rooting for Patrick Graham now. Go ahead, AJ. Two quick things. Two quick things. First off, I love the fact that he freaked out that he said hell. Like, yeah, exactly. That's not normally the one that people freak out about. And secondly, that thumbnail photo of him does not do him justice. It I does like, not. I kept looking. I was like, is that the same person? Yeah, he <laughs> definitely looked like he packed on a few pounds in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Oh, yeah. I was wondering how that worked because that was what the what even the Vegas website has as him. And I saw that. I was like. You know, good for him. <laughs> good for him. Okay, good for him. Yeah, he's been but, working a lot at them strip clubs. Yeah. <laughs> Vegas been offering that extracurricular activity for that man. Oh Jesus, we're gonna have to. Where's his? Where's the fine print in his contract? He's got to do some certain hours. All right, Patrick Graham though comes in a new defensive coordinator for the Raiders. Aaron, what does the, he talked about the process? What does that process look like for Patrick Graham? And what do you expect to see from his new look defense? I think we're talking about a, a guy that's looking to change a culture, right? The Raiders defense hasn't been very good over the past decade and a half. I mean, it's been one of those defenses we kind of just overlook. I think with the addition of a Chandler Jones, it's going to allow Patrick Graham to instill the kind of defense he wants. Patrick Graham is a guy who likes to run multiple defenses. He's not just some zone or, or man guy. He likes to mix things up. He primarily will run out of a 3-4, which I think is actually going to help Chandler Jones. He's going to have some times where he's standing up, 
and sometimes where he's putting his hand in the dirt. And I think with the Chandler Jones and uh, uh, Max Crosby on the outside, I think that helps them create leverage. I think it helps them look in multiple fronts. Um, you're talking about a guy that runs a ton of zone defense, especially on early downs. Zone defense for a team that doesn't have the best cornerback play over the course of the years, it allows them to keep their eyes in the backfield, jump quarterback routes, and be more aggressive without giving up big plays. And I think that's big for a young defense that struggled over the past uh, few seasons. Um, go to man on third and long, being able to be physical. I think you just be able to instill his mentality into a team that doesn't know any better. I mean, you're talking about a team that hasn't been very good. So being able to run multiple things, blitz more on third and fourth downs, being able to run mixture coverages out of cover two, cover three, cover six, whatever it is. Um, and then trying to, again, on those money downs, third downs, being able to just tell your defenders, get bodies on them, be physical, and then go make plays. I think that's going to be important for this young defense. And Graham, look, seeing what he did with the Giants, I, I think he's going to do great things with the Raiders. I think there's a lot of potential in that in that uh, defensive group for the Raiders. You obviously talk about Max Crosby bringing in Chandler Jones. A lot of young players on that defense. Trevon Morig is there. We, we all liked him coming out in the draft. I mean, this is this is a defense that has a lot of potential, I think. Dylan, do you, you see the energy, yeah. though? Like, I think that's the biggest thing I saw, the energy. Yeah. And what Robert Sala, uh, every great defensive coordinator, well, even the Ryan brothers, like, think about the energy that they present yeah. when they're on just in front of a camera or in front of their defense. He has yeah. that well, drive. That's well, he did it. Raiders defense. He, he did it in New York, though. Like, that, would, like, that team was terrible. And 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 then, yeah, but but the, their defense wasn't. Their defense was right. They exactly, found, and, and that started in the secondary. I'll tell you one guy they love. They've raved about him. He's only. I mean, Cam. What started Monday? It's uh, Wednesday morning now. They're all about Nate Hobbs, their slot corner from last year. That dude was a beast. Started nine games for him, and they're raving all about him. A nice little nickel nickel cornerback there to play some slot. I mean, he he does everything there on that defensive side. They've been raving about him. They bring in a Rocky Asin. They try to they try to improve that defense at the cornerback position and then uh I, I think there's a lot of promise on the on the on the secondary side of things as well yeah exactly yeah, they went and got a bunch of veterans like people don't they had some underrated moves that people really didn't talk about one of my favorite guys that was a free Jayon brown which i believe i had him in my top 20 of free agency he uh he ended up going there and he wasn't signed at first uh denzel pyramid being there chandler jones obviously coming over and then you're looking for steps. They added Rock Yassin. We'll see if he can kind of <laughs> fill that fill that void. But then you're talking about guys that we look to get better. Jonathan Abram maybe being more efficient this year. Trayvon Mullen, Mullen being a little bit better. I know he's starting on PUP, but hopefully he can come in and take another step forward. I think you're going to see a different team. Um, I, I, again, the energy, the, the physicalness, just the ability to kind of be multiple is going to be huge for them. And I think what you're talking about is a culture. Not to mention... Let's not forget that he coached in New England. And who is now the head coach? A New England guy. So they're bringing over a different type of culture. They got a New England GM, a New England head coach, and a defensive guy that came from New England as well. Um, I think they're just trying to change that culture, and it's a good start. Yeah. We we could not not talk about this big addition for the Las Vegas Raiders and bringing in Devontae Adams. Now joining his former college quarterback and Derek Carr, we know the story, we know the love connection, we know the relationship, but what about the adjustments? This is what Devontae Adams had to say about going from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr. I mean, anytime you change quarterbacks from, you know, a Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer, you go, you know, Stabler to, to Rich Gannon or whoever you go to, it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment. And, you know, both are, are great players and, and great to be around. So I'm just enjoying that process and, and getting better myself, you know, trying to do as much as I can to, to help these guys go out there and win as many games as we can. So let's let's skip over the fact that he said that Derek Carr is a Hall of Famer. Let's just skip over that because he's just, just this is just another receiver, just another teammate showing out for his boy. We've seen Tyreek Hill do it with Tua. We now see we see Devontae Adams doing it with Derek Carr. But his answer to talking about the the adjustments with going from Rodgers to Derek Carr was it was very cookie cutter in my opinion. Oh, it was it, you just glossed over the fact he know he told you everything you needed to know in that soundbite. He's going to bat for him. That's his boy. No, no, no. Oh, you guys missed it. You guys all missed it. He he said it's like go, going, he even equated to Raiders. He says going from Kenny Stabler to Rich Gannon to Hall of Famers. Rich Gannon was not a Hall of Famer. 
Mark my words, he wasn't a Hall of Famer. He's calling Derek Carr a Hall of Famer, but he's calling him Rich Gannon at the same time. He's letting him know, like, hey, we think he's, we, we know he's good, and this is my boy. I'm going to give him credit. I'm going to call him a Hall of Famer, but we know he's not a Hall of Famer. He told you exactly what he was doing in the soundbite. He is a he's very smart him. man. He sort of rescinded the comments the next day too. He hopped on. They they told him about him, and he he basically did. He said, "Look, I I understand how some people the media jumped me for that, and it's going crazy <laughs> on the social media and stuff." He's like, "Derek's a good quarterback. It's an it's an adjustment when you go from a Hall of Fame quarterback and to another quarterback. Essentially, like it was just going from that." And he said, "There's still an adjustment to be made," which plays off of Vinny's question. <laughs> Yeah, like I was like I was going to say in that soundbite <laughs> that I had, his answer was, I mean, other than you guys diving really, really deep and reading, trying to read in between the lines, his answer to the adjustments of going from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr was almost a cookie cutter, in my opinion. So, AJ, what are the adjustments that Derek Carr and Devontae Adams have to make to build up that chemistry in training camp? Well, I mean, the, the, the best part about this for these guys is that, to me, they're learning a new system together. And some people may say that may be a disadvantage because it would have been nice for Devontae Adams to come in and Derek Carr bring him along and bring him up to speed. But now they get to go through the motions together. Now they get to see what works and what doesn't work. So these type of adjustments with me, we know the relationship. We know the trust they have, and that's the easiest part. But it's just getting these little small intricacies down the timing routes are you there when i need you to be there are you there because the ball's there is Derek carr able to throw it on time uh other than that you're looking at a talented guy we're talking about a guy that's averaged 119 catches over the last two seasons in Devonte adams you're talking about a guy that Derek carr knows is the best receiver in the game and he's going to be able to just trust his talent more often than not something to me that's a little bit more important of an adjustment is if we think back to this team as a whole and what they went through last year this is really the beginning of a brand new era. And if I'm Derek Carr, if I'm Devontae Adams, I'm thinking of us two as the leaders of this team. And can we bring that energy? Can we bring that work ethic and make sure it's matched by every single person down the line, whether it's the running backs, whether it's the rest of the receivers? Can we make sure that we've looked at this season? We didn't finish where we wanted to last year. We've done everything in our power to make sure we are ahead. Can we bring everybody else along? Devontae Adams is super talented. He's going to be fine. The trust he has with Derek Carr it's 10 years since they played, by the way. So, like, let's not act like they're going to come in day one, snap their fingers, and it's going to be magic again. I don't think that's how it works. But I think they have a better chance of rekindling that chemistry faster than a lot of other duos can because their relationship is so strong, because their friendship is on that level, and they don't they don't cookie cutter around their, their communication and their trust. They're going to make sure they do everything in their power that they're the absolute best they can be starting this season off. Is it is it like riding a bike? Like when you go, like when you leave your quarterback and then you come back to him years later. Is there? Well, do you does it just eventually just come back? Like like the connection bike. and everything. Fun, fun fact, fun fact. He's never left Derek Carr. They work out every offseason. Yeah, every single offseason. They're they're not friends. Just like oh, I played with them in college. These dudes are literally like best friends. Like they work out every. And we know we never see Devonte Adams work out during the summer because he doesn't post them on. These dudes work out in California together every summer. I feel like that's a shot of Michael Thomas. I feel like that's a shot of Michael Thomas. It probably is a shot of Michael Thomas. Michael (laughs) Thomas supporters come holler at me. But no, real talk. Like, yes, they're they're not. They haven't been on the football field in a game together. Yeah. But these dudes have worked out together. Their friendship, their timing. They have do have an advantage to AJ's point before coming into training camp saying, "Oh, we haven't played together in ten years." They do have an advantage there. I told you being a receiver and a quarterback is all about trust. These two trust each other. I have zero doubts that they'll be on the same page. I'm ready yeah. to go week one. I, I just, I just don't. They're that close. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Thomas likes the red zone channel too much. Oof. All right, let's move on to the Los Angeles Chargers. Dylan, you're going to get your chance here. The Chargers added quite like a lot this offseason to their defense, making it a very scary looking defense. What defender are you actually most looking forward to seeing in Chargers camp this year? Yeah, they did add a lot. They added J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack, J.T. Woods even in the secondary. But I'm all aboard Drew Tranquil. Keep a close eye on Drew Tranquil. I mean, Kenneth Kenneth Murray's on the pup list right now. 
Um, they got stout, they got a stout defense, right? But the linebackers kind of the question mark. They lost Kazir White, who led the team in tackles last year. You get in, and Drew Tranquil's a great open field tackle or open field tackler. Uh, Kyle Van Noy's role, they brought him in, sort of unclear. He can play outside, kind of inside. Troy Reader comes over. Uh, he played with Staley in the Rams days. They were both over there. But Tranquil started a career high seven games last year, had 76 tackles, one and a half sacks even. But I think he's a great addition to this defense. And I know he's been there a, a few years. But I think what he can bring to your team, he's he's a nice, good tackling, like I mentioned, great open field tackler. But I do question his durability. He had two ACL tears in 10 months in college, blew out his ankle in 2020. But I, I'm saying Drew Tranquil is someone you want to watch on this defense, and he can make that next step as a great linebacker. Yeah, we saw we saw last year where – we we do we, the Chargers need this linebacking group to step up for them to get to the next level. Like that is, I feel like their key to moving past the either not making the playoffs or not being able to be on like that Chiefs level or maybe now now what it could be the Raiders level too. That linebacking group you saw in that end the end of the game against the Raiders that took the Chargers out of the playoffs. Josh Jacobs is running all over him. We talked about Brandon. It was Brandon Staley's play calling or this and that. It came down to Josh Jacobs and that Raiders offense just running all over them. So they're going to need a guy like Drew Tranquil to step up and, and the rest of the, their defense to make plays to be able to get them to that next level. To me, yeah. the biggest thing to, to me, the biggest thing for the Chargers, honestly, is going to be for their defense is going to be what it's been for the past five, six years. Can you stay healthy? Almost every year going into the season, I look at this defense and I'm like, damn, man, they have some studs. Like back when they had Casey Hayward, like Jason Verrett, like they were prepared on defense. And then everyone gets an ACL tear before the damn season starts. Derwin <laughs> James goes out again. If they can stay healthy, like on paper, this is almost always preseason, one of the better defenses in the league. Then they get hurt, and the guys behind them can't step up to the level of the talent they have at the starter section. So they added a lot. This is on paper. This is a scary defense. If they can stay healthy. They've done a lot on this entire roster, honestly, to make sure they are in, contest in contention in one of the hardest divisions in the NFL. Uh, I'm kind of on the other coin there. I I, I think that they're always overhyped. I've never felt like the Chargers were a super talented. We you mentioned the guys that are super talented. Bosa, Derwin James. Yeah. Stacey Hayward was good. Ferret was good for when a year. There. When they were there, but, though. But, but that's what I mean. That like, was like three, four years ago, what right? What we're talking about isn't the star players. It's the yeah. rest of the defense. You got three or four guys. That's great. But they've always been soft. That's been the charge problem. They're soft mm -hmm. defense. And you talk about the linebackers. I don't think this has been a linebacker question. In the NFL, what makes a great linebacker? It's not a guy that can just go in there and wreak havoc. Yeah, that, that's nice. It's being able to get to the ball, right? How do you get to the ball? The guys up front take the offensive line and eliminate them so they can't get to the next yep. level and actually block those linebackers. To me, the offseason move, the thing I'm directly looking at is Austin Johnson, Sebastian Joseph Day, Christian Covington, Otito Ogbonio, Ogbonia. Those guys, three brand new guys there in Otito, Austin Johnson, and Sebastian Joseph Day. Take pressure off of those linebackers after losing in Ochenna Nuosu and you get guys like a, a Kenneth Murray and Drew Tranquil, you need those guys to be able to roam free and make tackles. Most linebackers in the NFL have the athletic ability, the ability to go make plays, can run sideline to sideline, and make tackles if they don't have 300-pound linemen in their face. Those yeah. are the ones that can shed those 300 linemen and may still make tackles. Those are the Michael Parsons, the you know Devin Whites, the special guys. These guys need to be free and be able to make tackles. Those interior defensive linemen cannot get pushed two yards off the ball like they were last year. That's why Josh Jacobs was running for six yards without being touched. They have to be more physical. And I look directly at Brandon Staley. He's a defensive-minded guy. He brought, he's bringing a defensive-minded coach over there. And he's been focused on, how can I make Justin Herbert better? How can I go forward on fourth down? He needs to stop all that. He needs to focus on the defense, get Khalil Mack and the new guys over there to buy in and make that defense more physical. I don't think it's about talent. I think they need to be more physical. They need to play with a meaner attitude. And then I think you see the Chargers take a step forward. And if their defense gets right, this is a Super Bowl caliber team. That's why I looked at the linebacker position. You you mentioned the defensive line, right? And then they, they drafted Jerry Tillery a few years ago, but they weren't getting any push. 
that you mentioned the physicality. They weren't getting any push. But that's why I think you should have – that's why I think when you go to look at one person, I mean, you already got Kenneth Murray on the pup and could be something. He's got an ankle. They don't know his timeline right now. They don't know when he's going to come back. I think you have to look at that linebacker depth, and you're putting Drew Tranquil, who's been a primarily special teams guy the last two years. That's got to be the one guy you look at on that defense. Plus, I got a soft spot for the guy. Fort Wayne, Indiana, Carroll High School, Notre Dame football. I'm closer to him than Jesse Bates, so that's how I feel. Oh, my. See him at the bowling alley? Is that what it is? He's not at the bowling alley. No, baseball fields? Nothing? I will talk to you guys (laughs) in personality after the show yeah okay all right let's go one more thing on this chargers on the offensive side of the ball we just talked about the trenches now on the chargers side trenches for the offense right tackle aj what's that battle looking like in los angeles yeah this uh this right line last year was abysmal like they had storm norton over there it was way more of a tropical depression tied for second in the league (laughs) nine sacks allowed just getting beat up over and over again and it was a big part of why justin herbert even having the year he had imagine what he could have done if he wasn't on the ground that often thanks to storm norton but now that left side on the other hand was a whole different story and this year i think storm norton is going to be pushed to the back and you're looking at a guy like trey pipkins who can come in and possibly take over played pretty decent for him last year but not to the point where he's the automatic plug-in which is okay because now they've got a guy like jamari slayer the guy out of georgia 6'3, 331 ready to come in bulldoze he's more of a guard style guy and what i like about that is they've already got their right guard in zion johnson and if you look deeper to why they drafted him now this line can become more versatile so you got your center in ryan lindsley you got your guy in um uh rashawn slater who was a plug-and-play left tackle. Their guard, uh, Feitler, if I'm not, let me, let me not do that. <laughs> he got your left yeah, guard. Fire. Who can, yeah, who you can now, who can play all over the line. So now if you can move him to right tackle, you have Jamari Slayer on the left guard, and now you have four or five guys that you can trust to be a unit. And even if the Zion Johnson being young, we know he's talented and ready to go. This is a line you feel a lot better at. You don't have to force a Pipkins or a Storm Norton back in there until, you know, unfortunately there's injury problems or something of that nature. So if Jamari Slayer can come along, if Trey Pipkins can prove that he can be a rotational piece, this line, it won't even be a patchwork. You actually feel really good about the movement you can make on this line to make sure week in and week out you have solid trenches to protect Justin Herbert on side of his back-to-back MVP wannabe campaign. Just saying. Just saying. Jamari Salyer, uh, not Slayer. But Slayer sounds so uh, much better. And, and, and Corey Lindsay. Corey Lindsay. Lindsay. Did I say uh, Ryan? Yes, yeah, you did. Uh, but I, I actually do think Jamari Salyer is going to end up being their right guard, and I think Zion Johnson eventually be their right tackle. That's just my opinion. I think that's what gives them the most versatility and the best when you have those bookends to protect the quarterback. Because um, I do think Jamari Salyer will end up making a push. But, yeah, um, that corrects AJ. He should definitely name. change his name to Slayer. It sounds way cooler. <laughs> <laughs> and Corey needs to be Ryan. That's what we're, we're all – we're yeah. changing – that's what's happening. Change uh, all the names. That's how they do Ryan the Change all the names. Yeah. <laughs> Let's finish off the AFC West <laughs> with the Denver Broncos. There's only one place to start with the Broncos. It's Russell Wilson now with the oh, – he's got the whole world in his hands in Denver. He has the keys to the city. They are loving him, every bit of Russell Wilson. He comes in now. He gets the keys to the city. But what what are the key focuses for Russell Wilson heading into his first camp with the Denver Broncos, Aaron? Um, this is not going to be one of my normal, my normal little takes about quarterback, whatever. I think Russell Wilson is under an extreme amount of pressure Yeah, at, at the quarterback position. This is a guy that won championship in, in Seattle with a great running game, a great defense. And then the minute they turned him over to be this gunslinger, throw it around the field, you take control of the offense, never quite got his team over the hump. Uh, We've seen this from a number of quarterbacks, and I think we're in that same situation now with the Russell Wilson. He has got to take this team that had an elite defense last year. We've all lauded the running back situation in Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, talented outside guys, Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler. And now you were talking about you've been one quarterback away. When got Peyton Manning back in 2000 and whatever, he did what he was supposed to do and won a Super Bowl. I think we're right now with Russell Wilson to get Denver to a Super Bowl. I'm only looking for one thing, and that's productivity 
and resulting in wins. I don't care about nothing. I don't care what his connection is with Jerry Judy week one. <laughs> is he going to take them to the playoffs? Is he going to make a deep playoff run? And are the Denver Broncos going to be in the Super Bowl? Because I believe they have a roster to do so. If Russell Wilson's at his best, Russell Wilson has to. I think he's under a lot, a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. Yeah, I, I, saw, I agree. They, they were, I saw someone talking the other day. It was like, who's under the most pressure in the AFC West? Is it Derek Carr or is it Russell Wilson? And I was like, I don't think it's close, to be honest. Like, I get it. Like, like Derek Carr is like, He's he's just been Derek Carr. Like you, you Russell know who Derek Carr is. Derek Carr but, is Derek Carr. Russell Wilson yeah. is known as an elite quarterback, exactly. one of the and, best and, in football. And like you said, where he's now being put into the position, like this could like cement his legacy. I don't think it's going to hurt his legacy, like to where he's not going to be like a potential Hall of Famer. Like he's, it's not going to like absolutely kill. I don't. If Russell I don't Wilson does not go to the Super Bowl and produce with Denver. He is not a Hall of Famer, and he won't yeah. make the Hall of Fame. Really. This, this, Mark, my old, old this, is, this may this may be like looking too deep or looking for something but i i honestly do sometimes think back to not giving marshawn the ball because you wanted russell wilson to be the hero and since then granted a lot of things has changed but since then russell wilson has come up short time and time we, again and despite not having the defense anymore at that point, it's on you anyways. You got the money you wanted, and then it took a year for you to be talking about going somewhere else. Now you're somewhere else. They've put You've got weapons around you again. You can say what you will about that offensive line for now. You, you got to do it now because and he, he's never – this is the first time he's been vocal about having a problem, and it got fixed. So now you have to produce. I think you're completely right. There is not, It's not even close between him and Derek Carr. Russell Wilson yep. is probably, to me, the quarterback under the most actual pressure in the NFL. Yeah, and, and I think we talked about the NFC West last week, and we talked about Drew Locke, Geno Smith coming in, and there was some Seahawks fans that let us know, and we appreciate everyone who supports and comments and everything, and came in and said, Seattle has always been built like this, strong defense, good running game and then the quarter like russell wilson just doing what he has to like never really like going like that much above and beyond now russell wilson is getting everything like over the years it's always been about let russ cook or this doing this and that for russell wilson well guess what russ you got it all put up or shut up one other note on the denver broncos side of thing did you have one last point Eric? I, I just wanted to i just wanted to point out again like russell wilson has never won a championship as the guy and i think that's what we need we talk about mahomes brady rogers when you're when everything's on your shoulders now you win a championship he doesn't have that his championship game in year two when it was the legion of boom running game he threw like 20 times a game we talk about it with dak prescott we talk about it with russell wilson we talk about it with all these guys even big ben before one when he was young defensive running game but then he got that one against the cardinals when he was flinging it all over the field so i think this is where Russell Wilson has to cement that legacy to be a Hall of Fame. Am I a jackass for Jay, saying Joe Flacco? He's better the than guy. Joe. Yeah, right. But I mean, like based on his title, he's had game. more. He's had he's had more success, long term success as a player than Joe Flacco. Jackass confirmed. But Dylan, here's a chance <laughs> for you. To, here's your here's your chance to save yourself on this last Denver Broncos point. New de- defensive coordinator. Ijero Ivero, boom, nailed it, stuck the landing. Coming in as their new defensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos, what should we be expecting under his reign in Denver? We should be expecting a better pronunciation guide. But um, Ijero Ivero, uh, he's a 41-year-old, first-time D.C., spent five years in L.A. coaching the safeties, the secondary, all that stuff. I tell you what, what you're getting with Ivero, he's very creative with his personnel. This guy, he said he plans to rotate pass rushers. They drafted that Nick Benito kid, second round, 2022 out of Oklahoma. He's going to mix him in along with Bradley Chubb, along with uh, Chandler, or uh, rather Randy Gregory, when he comes back in Denver to the mix over there. I even got a quote from him right here. It's a factor who's playing best, he said. You get a good rotation and you want to keep guys fresh. When When you rush the passer, interior or exterior, it's one of those deals that is more tiresome than people think. Depth is always good. Listen, fellas, they got a lot of depth on this defense. And Denver, they can go a long way. 
I think even with their defense, let alone, I mean, they got Justin Simmons. They got other pieces on that defense that are legit. He's going to rotate the pass rush. With his experience of coaching the Rams' secondary and their safeties and all that over the last five years and his creative drive, Broncos fans should be stoked to have Mr. E.E. in the building. E.E. E-I-E-I-O. <laughs> a lot of vowels. A lot of vowels. Lot I agree. I like the youth. I like the youth that they brought in there. I like the the not same and not no. Vic Fangio is a great defensive mind, and he did great for that defense. But I like the little the fresh face and new kind of like we're gonna run things differently. And the depth on the defensive line is always important. For me. Like, yep. Way to stick the landing, Dylan. Way to end the show. I'm very yeah. proud of you. That does it for another episode of the Sac City Podcast. We'll be back again tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Eastern time right here on YouTube covering the NFC North and their training camp previews. Until then, for your boy A.J. Johnson, for my best friend Aaron Mukes, and for the smoothest voice in sports casting, Dylan Kearns, I am me. We will see you tomorrow. How was that for some top-tier NFL content? If you enjoyed that episode, go ahead and hit that follow button before you go. And don't forget to check us out on your favorite social media platform at Sac City Pod. Welcome to the city.